Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. One of my favorite things about the GameTime app is that it shows you the view from every seat you could potentially end up buying. There's nothing worse than buying a ticket and then having that view not be what you wanted it to be. That will never happen with the GameTime app. You get full panoramic views from every single seat that they have available. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome in to another episode of Wire to Wire here at The Athletic as we head into week nine of the NFL and fantasy football season. One more week eight game to put into the books later tonight on Monday Night Football. And it is the week eight game we have all been waiting for. Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins. I know that no one can wait for this one. I'm Michael Beller joined by Brandon Funston. Funston, I know you are pumped for Steelers Dolphins yeah I you know I'll be sitting down watching it but I'll be on the edge of my seat I'm sure the whole night uh it's gonna be crazy popcorn popcorn eating event here <laughs> oh man I mean they couldn't have, asked, they couldn't have yeah. drawn up a better schedule right for uh for the week eight Monday night football game one of the worst teams in the NFL against a team on its uh, backup quarterback this is just appointment television here yeah, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, they're like, oh, the Steelers at least be interesting. I think everybody knew the Dolphins wouldn't be. But, uh, you know, now that the Steelers have lost Roethlisberger, yeah, this is just a tough one. There's just been a rough slate of kind of uh, nationally televised games, a couple decent ones. But I feel like, you know, the last few weeks, there's just been some some real dogs. This is why we in the NFL love fantasy and love gambling, right? Because as long as you've got those two things, there's always going to be something interesting, no matter which two teams are getting together. So I think that's what a lot of people are going to be tuning in for on Monday Night Football tonight to to wrap up Week 8, the Steelers and the Dolphins. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can follow me on Twitter at M. Beller. A reminder that we still have our 40% off deal going. If you go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire, that's wire to, like the word to, wire, you can get yourself 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. You'll get everything we do at The Athletic, not just fantasy, but every sport, every podcast, every column, all will be available to you, including Jake Seeley's waiver column, which comes out on Monday night, midnight Eastern, every single week. A great companion for this podcast to cover the waiver wire from every single angle. Also, be sure to check out couple of our other podcasts that if you're listening to this you'll probably be interested in one is me and emery hunt the advanced route that comes out every tuesday evening emery and i do what we can to bring stats and scouting together to help you in your fantasy football leagues and brandon you've got a still new show on the fantasy basketball world dunks and dimes with eric wong how's that been going 
It's going well. Eric Wong's a stud when it comes to fantasy basketball. He knows the stuff. So I just basically tee him up and let him, you know, slam home the the advice. And uh, he's good for that. We are in season now. So you definitely want to check that out. We uh, we do that podcast on Fridays. And if you're, you know, looking for help on the waiver wire and stuff, we're going to be there to help you out. Yeah, yeah. Basically used Eric's rankings as a literal roadmap for my uh, own <laughs> fantasy basketball drafts. And uh, I play in head to head leagues. You and I are in one. We we tied our Yahoo buddy, Scott Pianowski, four to four in our uh, week one matchup uh, over in the Yahoo friends and family league. And then in one with uh, just home league with my friends, I went six and four uh, the first week uh, using Eric's rankings. Uh, Luke Kennard was a, a big one I got from him and he's off to a nice start this season. So definitely a guy who knows what he's talking about. Check out dunks and dimes from Brandon and Eric every Friday here at the athletic with that, we are ready to turn our attention to the week nine waiver wire. We've got Rams, saints, Falcons, and Bengals, going on by this week we start off our waiver wire look however with someone who has yet to play in week eight that being mark walton funston i had him written in as our top pick even before the dolphins traded Kenyon drake to arizona if you missed that Dolphins shipping drake to the arizona cardinals just this monday morning so now mark walton has a clear line as the starter in miami that makes him i think easily the top waiver guy to go after and if he's available in your league he most likely is sitting out there as a free agent, depending on how your waiver rules work. Yeah, and you know, you might say, "Oh, it's Miami," but you know, Miami is going to have to—they're going to have to push the pace offensively pretty much every week because their defense isn't good. They they fall behind, and you might say, "Oh, well, that's that's tough on the running back." But Kenyon Drake, you know, is is made a, a serviceable living working off that passing game as well. Mark Walton is a versatile guy. He's had nine catches on eleven targets this year, and he's actually run the ball pretty well. So. Um, if you, you know, you're looking at a guy with Kenyon Drake gone and, and this is someone that they, they liked when he got cast out of Cincinnati, you know, they went out and grabbed him. He's a university of Miami guy. And, uh, you know, you could conceivably see him getting 15 plus touches week in and week out. I don't think they like Kalen Balaj a whole lot. Uh, he's probably going to have to play some because this isn't going to be all Mark Walton. He's not really a true bell cow looking kind of uh, running back, but I think he plays an awful lot. I think he does push that 15 touch threshold. And anybody can do that and has the versatility that Walton has as someone at this point in the season, I'm sure in most 12 competitive 12 team leagues, somebody out there is going to need a guy like that. Absolutely. It should be a guy with basically uh, statistically negligible unownership after uh, the Kenyon Drake trade and after whatever happens, uh, tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with you. Kalen Balaj maybe going to vulture some goal line touches, which will be annoying uh, if you invest in Mark Walton. But this feels like Walton's backfield over the last two games. He's played 61% of the team's snaps. That was with both Balaj and Drake in the mix. 20 carries for 98 yards, uh, six catches on seven targets for 31 yards. And that includes one uh, disastrous catch for a loss of eight yards. So we can basically take that out of the sample. Uh, I agree. I think this is a 15 touch or at least 15 opportunity and probably 15 touch guy uh, week in, week out for the rest of the season, even on what might be the worst team in the NFL. Uh, that is still a guy who's going to have plenty of value across the board in fantasy league. So Mark Walton uh, is our number one guy. Like, for example, I would rather have, especially after what we saw, but I feel like I would have said this even last week, I'd rather have Mark Walton than Ty Johnson. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. What about, would you rather have Mike Wal Mark Walton or uh, Kenyon Drake? That, that's actually a great <laughs> question. Um, I think I, I think unless we get word that uh, that Chase Edmonds' uh, hamstring injury is serious that he suffered yesterday, uh, I think I'd rather have Mark Walton. Yeah, I think I would too. I, I, you know, 
I'm, I'm sort of as a David Johnson owner, really worried because Arizona's gone, you know, pretty hard after finding these uh, replacement guys. And now they've made a trade and they're, you know, they're a sub 500 team. So are, are they going for it? Or are they just really worried about what David Johnson uh, is going to give them the rest of the year? Or, or maybe this is a Chase Edmonds thing where he, where he has a hamstring injury like Will Fuller, where they're actually saying, gosh, this could be, uh, you know, a guy that's out four to five weeks. So I don't know what's going on there. The interesting th- thing about Arizona is on a per touch basis, that backfield has been very good. Like David Johnson and Chase Edmonds, not huge in the, uh, you know, in the workload overall, when you, when you count up like how much the running backs have handled the ball in Arizona versus everybody else, they're not very high, but like what they actually get with those touches has been very, very good. So, um, I think I'm with you. I would probably just lean towards the known quantity of Mark Walton. We're assuming that he can get, you know, something close to 15 touches a week. I think that's a fair assumption. I don't know what kind of workload Kenyon Drake's going to have, you know, if David Johnson's back, if Chase Edmonds isn't really that hurt. Right. And having said all that, uh, if Kenyon Drake's available in your league, you should go grab him right now or put in a waiver claim for him. Uh, obviously, uh, he uh, is too owned for us to really talk about here in wire to wire. Uh, got an ownership rate across the fantasy landscape greater than 60%. But if he is out there, he's someone you want to get going to want to have a claim in for Mark Walton, our top pick. Our number two guy, we're going to talk about Cam Newton here uh, because uh, all the Kyle Allen talk uh, sort of went out the window after uh, the beatdown that the 49ers put on the Panthers in week eight. Uh, All due respect, of course, to the 49ers, this team is absolutely for real. Uh, Maybe the best defense, certainly one of the three or four best defenses in the NFL. So uh, no no shame on Kyle Allen for going into San Francisco and having a tough day. But Funston, for me, what it drove home is once Cam Newton is 100% healthy, there is no doubt that he is the quarterback for this team. Yeah, I think the whole narrative that people were trying to drive that, you know, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen was going to remain the starter, you know, if he continues to get wins. I didn't I didn't believe that uh, this is Cam Newton's team when he's healthy. That's the, the big question, though. Will Cam Newton ever be 100 percent healthy again? I think he's he's taken the kind of beating that may uh, have lasting effects. But if his foot's fine, um, there's no doubt he's going to be out there. Uh, so. You know, maybe we'll see him this week, but I think it's definitely at a point if you're if you're a guy that's been streaming or, um, you know, maybe rolling with Kyle Allen while Cam is out, you, you got to go, you know, you got to go ahead and go out and get Cam Newton. I can't believe it's actually, uh, you know, at an ownership rate that you can actually yeah. get him, you know, as bad as Cam Newton looks a lot of the time. Uh, and when he's injured, you know, you can see he does look poor. like his numbers always net out nice and fantasy still runs the ball. Um and he, yeah, he, I mean, he's still got a lot of uh, a decently high ceiling because of that. I mean, you can make an argument that with, especially with McCaffrey, but McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, that this is the best cast of weapons he's ever had in his entire career. Yeah. And I think that's definitely right. And a lot of guys where he doesn't have to, you know, he can get to them kind of quickly. He doesn't have to sit a long time in the pocket and let routes develop because these are guys that can catch the ball in short area and take it, you know, distance. We see uh, McCaffrey do that all the time and Samuel can do that. So, you know, all, all of his weapons, I feel like maybe with the exception of uh, Greg Olson are guys that can, you know, can take short routes deep or they can go deep, you know, and cam can hit them on vertical routes. They, you know, there's a very kind of flexible uh, receiving core that he has at his disposal. 
Yeah, next three games uh, for Carolina. They're home against Tennessee this week at Green Bay and then versus Atlanta. So if Cam does get back, uh, some, definitely someone who uh, you're going to want to be grabbing no matter when uh, that is. Last guy to talk about as one of our top picks is Rashad Penny. Uh, eight carries for 55 yards in week eight. But the thing here really, Funston, is the speculative play. Trade rumors surrounding Rashad Penny in Seattle. Chris Carson obviously has a stranglehold on that Seahawks backfield. If Penny were to get dealt to a running back needy team, he could immediately become a fantasy player of a whole lot of significance. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of curious as a Seattle fan, what they'd be willing to take for him at this point. He was a, you know, he was a late first round draft pick uh, just, uh, just last year. So a, a, a season and a half later, are they going to, you know, will they accept a third rounder or a fourth rounder? I mean, Chris Carson clearly is, is their favorite running back. He fits their style. And I always feel like Rashad Penny, a lot of times they'll, they'll bring him in and they'll run some of the same between the tackles plays that Chris Carson can, you know, make hay with and, Penny's really a guy that you want to uh, work him to the edge a little bit more because when when there's an opening, you get out to the outside, like he can turn that corner and get upfield quickly. He's got a lot of uh, stuff that you like, and there's some breakaway ability there. Um, I don't think Seattle always accentuates those positives as much as they should, but he still does pretty well in this offense when he gets his opportunity. So somewhere that might be willing to turn him loose as a, you know, quasi bell cow kind of running back. I think he can put up very nice fantasy numbers. Yeah. There's rumors surrounding Penny to the lions as a potential trade destination. That certainly would be great for his fantasy value. Have to imagine he would step right in and be the starter uh, for the lions with carry on Johnson out. Uh, we'll see if they'd actually be willing to make that move for a, they've already got a young running back for the future. Uh, Chris Carter, Rashad Penny would be uh, another guy, young running back potentially for the future. But if he does get traded, he's going to be someone who's going to immediately have a big boost in his fantasy value. So keep an eye on Rashad Penny if he's available in your league. A great speculative ad for week nine. That wraps up our top picks for the week. We now move on to our position by position look. And uh, part of the reason Rashad Penny is such a great ad, part of what one of our top picks is because it's another relatively thin week on the waiver wire. So speculation is better than uh, than maybe what we already know about some of the guys we're going to talk about, the first of whom is Raheem Mostert. Matt Breida and Jeff Wilson both hurt in Week 8. Uh, quick turnaround for the 49ers. They go to Arizona for Thursday night football in Week 9, so that could mean a big role for Raheem Mostert alongside Tevin Coleman, who had a monster game against the Panthers. Arizona got carved up by Latavius Murray, in week eight, both on the ground and through the air. So got to believe that uh, Raheem Mostert would at least have some short-term value if Burita and Wilson are unable to play this week. Yeah, I think you go into any week and look at San Francisco's backfield and say two, the top two running backs that are expected uh, you know, to get touches in that upcoming game are guys that are, uh, are startable, at least in a, the second running back, at least in a flex spot, because this has been the most productive fantasy backfield. And it's been uh, typically two guys at top. They they don't obviously go with the bell cow guy. It's not just Tevin Coleman. Breed has done good work. And we've seen most do good work as well when Coleman was out earlier in the season. So uh, I, I like the matchup against Arizona. I like the way San Francisco's rolling right now on offense. And there are going to be two guys. So if, if Breed is out, then you immediately look at Mostert and say, you know what, I can I can flex this guy uh, this week for sure. 
We've seen it last year. We saw it earlier this year. Anytime he's had an opportunity to uh, have a big role in this offense, he has pretty much come through. Uh, we talk about uh, per touch. You were talking about per touch basis uh, earlier with uh, the Arizona back. San Francisco's been right there, and Raheem Mostert has already had a couple of big games this season when there were injuries uh, to Tevin Coleman when he was dealing with that high ankle sprain. Mostert, you know, if you if you took the jersey, if you took the name off the jersey, right, and uh, just give him uh, identical numbers, you wouldn't even really know who's who uh, with the numbers that Mostert was able to put up. So uh, definitely someone who would have at least short-term value should Brita and Wilson be unable to go. And really, even if just Brita is unable to go, you would think Mostert right. would have uh, some short-term value uh, going up against Arizona. And again, that looks likely, given that this is Thursday night football, Brita left the Week 8 win over Carolina with a knee injury. Uh, move on to Daryl Henderson, a guy who is uh, getting a little bit more attention in the Rams offense, had 11 carries for 49 yards in Week 8, also caught two or three targets for 20 yards, and basically shared the snaps almost identically with Todd Gurley. He played 48% to Todd Gurley's 52%. Now, the one complicating factor here is that the Rams have a bye in Week 9, and that maybe gives enough time for Malcolm Brown to be back for this team in Week 10, but... I don't know, Funston. I think Daryl Henderson's going to have a role for this team the rest of the way. He would be – I would rather, obviously, have Walton and Penny, uh, and then I think I would still rather have Mostert, but Daryl Henderson right there with Mostert for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, my biggest issue with the Rams, they weren't, run, they weren't running well. They weren't run blocking well, and a lot of the running backs were, uh, you know, getting hurt by that. They're getting a little better in that department. The weird thing is, I was just looking this morning, uh, so Rams running backs caught 70 passes last year, which wasn't, it was in the bottom half of the league. Uh, this year, they're on pace to catch 40. They are the very last team in terms of running back uh, receptions, which doesn't feel right, right? Like Gurley's been such a versatile threat in fantasy that you kind of feel like they've been a little bit more lucrative in, in throwing the ball to their running backs. But the reason I mentioned this is because that's such a huge upside thing in fantasy when you got a running back that can be involved in the passing game. And right now, I think, you know, for as much as this Rams offense can be potent and can put points on the board when they're going well, if they're not throwing the ball to the running back, it's just hurting all of these guys. And so how much upside does the guy that's backing up Todd Gurley have if he doesn't come in and get kind of those change of pace, uh, you know, and, and get involved in the passing game a whole lot. So for me, that kind of sours things, but I agree that I think maybe Daryl Henderson is going to sort of move past Malcolm Brown in the second half of the season. I can see that happening for sure. It's absolutely true what you say about the receiving upside. Our pal Michael Salfino has done really good work right here at The Athletic about uh, how all touches are not created equal and doing what he can to quantify the difference between a rush versus a reception for a running back and uh, not having that receiving value really does hurt a back, especially with the way the game is played in 2019. I think Daryl Henderson could, though, push that receiving value for the Rams. Obviously, that's what they were most excited about him, or at least what they said they were uh, after they drafted him and all summer and why he was you know, becoming a pretty chic pick in fantasy circles way back in early drafts in June and July. Uh, that hasn't quite borne itself out, but maybe he gets uh, a little bit more run in the receiving game going forward, especially with the Brandon Cooks injury. Now we'll see if he's able to come back from the concussion after the bye, but that could be something that uh, adds to Henderson's receiving volume. But either way, with or without it, we like him as our fourth back off the board this week behind Walton, Penny, and Raheem Mostert. Uh, I've got Trey Carson listed next. We'll just, I think we can breeze through him. He surprisingly uh, led the Detroit Lions in carries. Everyone splurged for Ty Johnson last week, and then it's Trey Carson who gets 12 carries. Didn't do much with them. 
34 yards. He played 30% of the snaps. That was more than J.D. McKissick. So right now, for me, Funston, this feels like a backfield that unless there is a Rashad Penny trade uh, or something of that nature, it's just one of those that's just too much of a headache to even be worth figuring out. 100%. Yeah. I mean, carry on Johnson was getting the majority of the workload. Then he goes down and it's one of those situations where, you know, it takes a, takes a village pretty much to replace him. And you got three guys now in the works and, um, and, and let's be honest, like Detroit's backfield wasn't, I mean, carry on Jones Johnson owners weren't super happy with the production they were getting from carry on Johnson. This has not been a very lucrative backfield to begin with. You start splitting it three ways and uh, you know, you have it listed as backfield, a headache question mark in the show notes. That's exactly what it is. And so, <laughs> you know, the best, the best thing to do with a potential headache is to avoid it. That's, that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, I agree. They, they're at Oakland, at Chicago, and versus Dallas the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, None of those really. Maybe Oakland's a decent matchup. But again, I think this is a team that, as we've seen over their last two games, uh, the last one played entirely without on Johnson, uh, that they're going to lean into that passing game. And they're able to do it and win. Uh, Matthew Stafford has looked good this season uh, with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson. They've got some real weapons in this passing game. So I think we're going to see them lean ever more into their passing game and get what they get out of the backs in less they do make a trade for someone like Rashad Penny. And then, of course, that would make Trey Carson, J.D. McKissick just as fantasy irrelevant as they were when Carrion Johnson was healthy. The last guy who I do think is worth an ad is Darius Geis. Uh, now, again, we talked about him last week. This is really more for the uh, – well, we were through week eight. So this is more for the seven and ones and six and twos among us, not necessarily for the three and fives and fours and fours who need that roster spot. Earliest we could see Geis back is week 11 after the week 10 bye. I do think if you're in great position going forward for the playoffs, that he's a great guy to add because I got to imagine Funston that once he's healthy, he takes over as the starter. Hard to believe, right? I mean, this was a guy who they had a lot of hopes for coming out of LSU. He's played all of one game in his NFL career. This is his second year in the league. Yeah, you would think the way the season has gone, they want to get him a little bit more experience out there, get him some volume. I mean, maybe not. I mean, Adrian Peterson's looked decent the last couple games True. and still has a little bit left. But I think, you know, it's time to turn the page on Adrian Peterson. You come back, you get the Jets, you get the Lions at home. Those are two games where I think actually the Redskins have a chance to at least kind of keep it close and get some volume for that backfield. So guys would you know, conceivably come back to a pretty good situation. Then you go on the road to Carolina with a little bit tougher, but then you go on the road to green Bay and they've had problems stopping the run as well. So I think three of his first four coming back look pretty good. If he can get, you know, double digit touches right out of the gate, uh, which I think again, as long as they got a good, uh, you know, medical report on him and things are looking good, why not? Why not at this point, give the guy that you drafted early a couple years ago, a chance to finally get some run in the NFL and actual games. Yeah, absolutely. And if, again, if I'm if I'm not in immediate need for a running back, and if I am in good playoff position, uh, I'm I'm going for Geis rather than Raheem Mostert. I'm going for Geis rather than Daryl Henderson because it's time for me to maximize uh, what my playoff roster is going to look like. And Geis certainly is going to have, or at least right now, it appears very likely he's going to have more value come week twelve and beyond than guys like Mostert and Henderson. Uh, a couple of guys just to keep an eye on on Monday Night Football. Jalen Samuels uh, making his potential return 
from arthroscopic knee surgery. Even if he doesn't play tonight, almost certain to return for the Steelers after that. Uh, and should we at least expect step right back into that pretty strong PPR role that he had before he suffered the knee injury. And Kalen Balazs, as we talked about off the top, probably not going to uh, have much value on his own. His biggest role in the fantasy world might be gumming up the works a little bit for Mark Walton at the goal line. But just see how the usage breaks down between those two, Walton and Balazs tonight against the Steelers. We should have a clearer picture of what this backfield looks like in a post-Kenyan Drake world after tonight. A few handcuffs want to make you aware of as well. Guys, we've talked about quite a bit this season, but now is definitely handcuffed season in fantasy football. So if you have the starter and this guy is sitting out there, go and make him a priority on the waiver wire right now. Alexander Madison in Minnesota, Tony Pollard in Dallas, Reggie Bonifon behind Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, Reichwell Armstead as the backup to Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. Gus Edwards has a little bit of a standalone role, but still that's Mark Ingram's show in Baltimore. And then Wayne Gallman backing up Saquon Barkley for the Giants. If you've got the starter, you definitely want the backup at this stage of the season. Wide receivers now, Funston. Uh, not a huge crop of guys to choose from, but the first, I think, is a really interesting fantasy topic, and it's you-know-who, Josh Gordon, someone who it seems like we always have a new thing to talk about every three weeks or so. Uh, he is on IR with what is being described as a minor knee injury, expected to be released by the Patriots. Uh, do you think we see him play an NFL game again this season? I don't know. I, 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 you know, I earlier this year I made the comment that Josh Gordon has ne never delivered to his draft value in his career. It, it was like, you know, the second year that he played in in the, in the NFL, he had that huge year where I think he led, uh, you know, fancy wide receivers, and he missed like two games or three games, and he was amazing. Ever since then, people have overdrafted him, and it's always it's always been a game of waiting for Josh Gordon, be it off field, you know, substance issues where he's been suspended, or he's always got a you know an injury that you're kind of waiting on. And I just, man, like it will be interesting if he does end up somewhere else. And yeah, I have this weird, I'm sort of conditioned to always care, but I really don't want to. I want to like be done with Josh Gordon as someone that I'm, I'm waiting on and thinking about. Uh, but he's still talented enough that if he lands in the right situation, we have to, you know, we have to pay attention. Yeah, the one I would be most interested in, this is, again, this is all speculation. We have no inside info of where he might go after this expected release from the Patriots. The one that would most interest me, just looking up and down depth charts, uh, is the Colts. I was I was looking at the Colts on my sheet of paper right now going, I wonder if he's going to say the Colts because I can <laughs> totally get that one as well. I mean, you got Zach Paschal and, uh, you know, Chester Rogers and guys that are just kind of meh sort of talent right. and uh the Colts are winning games barely but they're winning them and uh they're in contention so yeah Josh Gordon there would make a lot of sense and a nice compliment to T.Y. Hilton's skill set yeah absolutely T.Y. Right. gets down the field vertical he can move all I I kind of liken Josh Gordon's almost to like a a power forward tight end at this point like right, an athletic right. like an athletic tight end he's gotten himself so big he's kind of gotten like in that David Boston realm of just like ridiculously muscled up and I think that's that and maybe age and, and just kind of like NFL wearing him down. It slowed him down a little bit, but he still can be like a physically hard to hard to handle receiver for those corners on the outside. Yeah, that's the thing, right? You talk about the Colts is having these tight ends and Eric Ebron and, and Jack Doyle that are doing, you know, uh, contributing not a ton in fantasy, but a good amount for the Colts in real life games. Uh, but there are guys, they're, they're, I mean, they're true tight ends. These are guys who are in a three-point stance occasionally, 
lined up uh, standing up. But uh, Josh Gordon is a guy who's going to play outside the numbers, even though he is a little bit bigger, a little bit slower than he once was. So that would be, I think, a nice compliment to T.Y. Hilton. That would be the place I'd be most interested in him landing. And I do think that should he catch on with another team, he's still going to be someone who uh, is of interest in the fantasy world. So again, sort of like Geis, maybe a little bit more relevance to a three and five or a four and four team than Geis has, but a guy who I'd be a lot more interested in if I'm sitting at seven and one or something like six and two or better going into week nine. Uh, Josh Reynolds uh, back in our fantasy lives after Brandon Cook suffered his second concussion of the season that certainly could complicate his return after the Rams buy in week nine, Josh Reynolds stepped right into that role last week uh, in the Rams win. got three catches on eight targets for 73 yards and a touchdown and played 89% of the snaps. So uh, even though this team maybe isn't running quite as much three wides as it did last year, still running plenty of three wide. We saw what Josh Reynolds was able to do last year when Cooper cup went down with his injury. Uh, now if Brandon cooks should miss some time, I think Josh Reynolds is another guy who I would grade as basically a depth receiver. Funston, right? Not someone you're going to love week in, week out, but still plenty of buys ahead of us. A nice depth guy to have over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think, you know, you said we saw what he did last year when Cooper Cup went out, and I do remember that. And it wasn't that great of a run. It wasn't that great of an experience. Like, there was a precipitous drop between the production that Cooper Cup was giving and what Josh Reynolds was able to do when he stepped in. That said, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a passing offense. And as you said, they run three wide receiver sets, a, you know, a good amount. He's, he's, as you said, a depth guy. And, and I don't want to sell it as anything more than that. But as we finish out through the bye weeks, there's going to be people that are going to want to take a chance on a guy in a in a decent offense that is going. You know, he had eight he had eight targets. Uh, you know, in this one with Cooks out, you know, could he get six to eight going forward on a on a fairly regular basis while Cooks is out? Yeah, I think he I think he will. And for that reason, that's going to be intriguing. Yeah, after their week nine bye, they go to Pittsburgh and then return home for games against the Bears and the Ravens. Uh, Funston, maybe you can explain why Auden Tate can't get John in fantasy leagues, because I can't explain it. I can't figure it out at this point. I know the numbers aren't jumping off the page of you, but 13 more targets in yeah. week eight against the uh, against the Rams over there in London. He played all but two snaps for the Bengals as well, and had a TD taken off the board late. Uh, that, that line looks a lot better if that TD stays on the board, but still five grabs for 65 yards on those 13 targets. A bye this week for the Bengals, and then we're expecting, at least for the time being, A.J. Green to return after that bye. Uh, but I still feel like this should be a guy who is owned almost across the board. The fact that he's owned in about 30% of leagues to me is just un unexplainable. Well, by the next time we talk, you know, next Monday, he might be owned in less because of because of that buy, right? Like there, he's going to be the guy that people look at and just cut if they need to make room for somebody. And so it's too bad. And then and AJ Green's back and, and we'll see how that things play out. He probably, you know, uh, Tyler Boyd can play in the slot. And I'm sure, you know, Auden Tate could still be on the field with AJ Green. They can all kind of work this thing together. But certainly it does sort of cannibalize some of the production in this wide receiving core when AJ Green comes back. So we may never get Auden Tate owned in the league, in the league percentage that he, you know, he should be that it's justified. So, uh, it's just kind of what it is. And he's been basically a better uh, fantasy contributor than Tyler Boyd over the last month. Uh, you know, Tyler Boyd's had one good game in that stretch. Auden Tate's a guy that, you know, seen targets week in and week out. And, yeah. And just missed the TD this last one. Right. And it's another heavy three wide team that both by, 
design like the Rams and unlike the Rams by necessity because they're losing every single game that they play in. So, I mean, obviously, A.J. Green's return is not good for Auden Tate's bottom line volume, but I still think that there's going to be enough value there, enough work for him in the passing game to be worth owning in most leagues. Yeah, sure, 10-teamers, maybe not, but 12 or deeper, I really think, or even even deep 10-teamers. Like, I'm at a 10-teamer where we start three receivers and two flexes and he's owned in that league and he should be owned in that league and I think that uh you know even so deeper 10 teamers and all 12 and 14 I just don't see how he isn't owned. I just feel like even with AJ Green coming back he uh has enough value has enough volume uh that uh, he's a guy who I believe uh deserves to be owned how about his teammate Alex Erickson uh, now, this is the guy who I think is most hurt by the uh, by the A.J. Green return, but it's worth mentioning because in his last two games, he's got 14 catches on 21 targets for 234 yards. I just don't see where the role is for him when A.J. Green is back on the field. Yeah, I'm with you on that. This is not like somebody who's new that, you know, like, oh, hey, we got to see what they have. They, this guy's been on this team for a while, and they know, what, they know who he is. He hasn't, you know – he net only bubbles to the top when there's injuries and things like that. So I, I agree. I mean, he might still come in and, and help out a little bit, but I think he's the guy, as you mentioned, that gets hurt the most by AJ green returning. Yeah. I, and I, I probably, that. I'm probably not, I'm not going to be, I don't have any team out there. I think where I'm going to be wanting to add Alex, Alex Erickson. Right. He's a, a very deeply guy, especially with the buy coming up. And, you know, I had to shoehorn him in here since he went to the best yeah. university in the country. <laughs> had to get him I'm, in. I, I got to yeah, stand by the I, I did not even realize that, but I did. Uh, I'm assuming it was Wisconsin. I he's did not a, know where he went to school. He's a Badger. And after a couple of ugly weeks uh, in a row for Wisconsin football, I figured we could throw a little bit of love at Alex Erickson. But we can also move on from Alex Erickson and go to the last guy who I really want to spend any time on. And that, that's Chris Conley. Last two games, uh, seven catches on 15 targets for 186 yards and a touchdown, and we've got an injury to D.D. Westbrook. He came into their Week 8 game uh, with neck and shoulder issues that had him questionable. He was able to play, but left it early because of those neck and shoulder issues. Chris Conley had a lot of uh, a buzz in the summer in training camp. Um, uh, we, we talked to Philip Heilman on podcast by committee a couple of weeks before the season started, and he alerted Nando DeFino and I to a sleeper case for Chris Conley. It didn't uh, come to fruition early in the season, but we've seen the last two games pretty strong performances out of Conley. And if Westbrook is indeed going to miss some time, he becomes the number two pass catcher in that offense behind DJ Chark. Yeah, well, actually, his first game, he, he was 6'9", oh, right, right, right. in a touchdown. So, yeah, he kind of he did jump out quickly, but then kind of fell into being sort of the third priority uh, for Gardner Minshew among the receivers. Um, but we've seen all, you know, all year that two receivers for Jacksonville, uh, you know, they can, they've done pretty well in fantasy week in and week out. Uh, and, and maybe not any more than that, but if DJ Westbrook's going to be out, then Chris Conley's shown that he can, you know, he looks apart, big guy, six foot three athletic, and uh, with Westbrook out there, then boom, he's your number two receiver. And as I said, uh, two receivers have been, you know, performing pretty well in fantasy for uh, most of the weeks this season. Yeah, it hasn't been a uh, total banner show every single week for this passing game. But Gardner Minshew, as we've talked about, is delivering more often than not. And uh, that's going to be someone, I think, who uh, keeps this offense uh, at a level where more likely you're going to see two receivers performing uh, than just one or zero. Obviously, again, it's not you know, it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not going to be anything like that. But 
uh, there's been enough value to this Jacksonville passing game that uh, I think Chris Conley is someone worth going after on all waiver wires with the D.D. Westbrook injury issues. They get Houston in London next week. I think that's our last London game of the season. Uh, Then they've got a bye, of course, and then they go to Indy. Uh, That would be in week 11 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a couple of big games in the division for Jacksonville coming up over the next three weeks. Uh, We've got some other names on here, Funston. I'm wondering if there's anyone that you really want to make a case for. I'll just present it to you, lay it out like that. Uh, Is there any other receiver who you think uh, owners should be going after with any sort of vigor over the next couple of days? Um, Bigger might be, you know, a little strong. A.J. Brown scored again. You know, we thought this would be a better passing offense with Ryan Tannehill there. And for the most part, it was. I mean, Tannehill threw three touchdowns, didn't throw for 200 yards. But in weeks when you think that there's going to be, you know, some passing game upside for the Titans offense, A.J. Brown, although he didn't get big numbers, he keeps finding a way, um, you know, either to get in the end zone or put up. Uh, you know, yardage on even just a a small amount of targets. So talent wise, we love him. And, you know, like I said, you might be able to cherry pick some games where you can feel pretty good about starting him. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, And again, Tannehill um, at least brought some competence to the Tennessee passing game, even though the numbers weren't huge for AJ Brown or Corey Davis, AJ Brown did get in the end zone. I'll throw Danny Amendola out there. Also, uh, again, as we talked about, maybe this uh, Detroit team turns into its passing game. Uh, more often uh, going forward without carry on Johnson if they're unable to make a trade for a running back. Well, the last two games, the Lions have scored at least 30 points. And in those two games, we've seen Danny Amendola turn 19 targets into 16 catches for 200 yards on 69% of snaps. You add in their week one game against Arizona where they scored 27 points. That's three games on the season where the Lions have scored at least 27 points. And in those three Danny Amendola has 23 catches, 32 targets, 304 yards, and a touchdown. So if they do end up being a very pass-heavy team for the rest of the season, I think there's enough in this offense to make Danny Amendola at least a bi-week PPR league sort of guy that you like in fantasy leagues. He would be the one guy other than the others that I would go after with at least some sort of excitement as I'm putting in my claims over the next couple of days. We've got a whole other host of uh, wide receivers who could have value depending on your league, uh, depending on the size, the parameters, the starting lineups. We're not going to bore you with all of them. Uh, Be sure to check out Jake's waiver column where he will cover more of those guys. Uh, Just got a little bit more space to deal with, with the written word than we do with the spoken word. Let's move on to the tight end position here, Funston. And this is where we do find the Tennessee Titan who shined as a pass catcher for, uh, for Ryan Tannehill. That, being Janu Smith, are we buying in after his six-catch, 78-yard touchdown game in Week 8? I kind of, you know, I don't know how you view it, but I just feel like if it's Janu, I feel like he's going to put up numbers pretty similar to what I could expect from Delaney Walker. I don't really see, like, that being a downgrade. I've had to go out in in leagues where I had Delaney Walker and pick up Janu, and uh, and, and I just wait and hear what the decision is as as to who's going to be the starter. And if it's not Walker, then I just plug in Smith, and I feel feel just fine. Like I haven't lost. There's no missteps for that. That's kind of how I approach it. I think he has kind of like that back end tight end one sort of like just maybe you, you would consider him from like tight end 10 to tight end 12 most weeks when he's the starter. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, he's in that group that we talked about in the ranking show last week where we know there's those seven or eight guys who, if you've got them, you're starting every week. And then there's another group of like, 
maybe four to six guys you can at least get yourself excited about. One right. guy who's on by this week uh, who's in that group is Gerald Everett, and I think Johnny Smith is at least in that group as long as he's the starter uh, in Tennessee. I, I, I would rather, I'd rather have a starting Johnny Smith than Gerald Everett week in, week out, personally. Yeah, if if John is the, is the top guy, I, I'm with you on that because there we we've already seen with Everett. There's just going to be some weeks where you get two for 14, and then you know, and then you're going to. But I think regularly the Titans are looking at their tight end and including them in their exactly you know, in their flow a lot more often than the Rams are. Yeah, I, that that that's what puts Johnu over Gerald Everett for me. Uh, you could switch them, and I would probably rather say give me Gerald Everett if he were on the Titans and Johnu right. Smith were on the Rams. But as it is, I think Johnu Smith is now toward the top of that uh, group of guys who aren't quite uh, those rel- those very safe week in week out starters. And with Austin Hooper, one of those very safe week in week out guys on bye this week, maybe you're looking for a one week play. Johnu Smith could fit in there. A couple of other guys who I think could fit in there are Dallas Goddard and Chris Herndon if he's able to get back. We did see a big game out of Ryan Griffin uh, as the starting tight end for the Jets. Four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, what's your take on these two situations? Goddard as the backup, uh, but still playing a lot next to Zach Ertz. And then the Jets uh, situation, uh, they've got the Miami Dolphins. Great matchup in week nine. Yeah, and you think if Deshaun Jackson comes back that maybe Goddard gets squeezed a little bit uh, as they try to work uh, you know, him back in and maybe get a little bit more vertical and lean a little bit more on the wide receivers. But man, I love Dallas Goddard as far as a talent. And uh, I could just sort of, as a Seahawks fan, I fantasize him being like the guy that, you know, that, are the Eagles interested in Penny? Can we, can we work a deal where we get <laughs> Dallas Goddard? Uh, I just like him. I, I want him to be freed up to be a guy that, you know, I like to see him as the number one tight end in the offense and, and see what he can do. But, uh, you know, this, this is a, this is an Eagles offense. It's pretty good. They get into the, the red zone a decent amount, and there's going to be opportunities for a guy with his size. So, you know, Jake says this a lot. You're chasing touchdowns at tight end. You're just hoping that your guy that you put out there maybe finds the end zone because that's, you know, that kind of will always put you sort of in that top 12 mix if you score at tight end because so many times you're going to get three for 30 and, and things like that. So he does give you touchdown upside. I like him for that reason. Griffin. I liked seeing that he was getting production because if we're waiting on Chris Herndon, he's going to be that guy that once he gets in there is going to kind of, you know, take over Ryan Griffin and and be the guy that, that probably Sam Darnold's targeting um, instead of Griffin. And so it was good to see that Griffin can make some hay uh, in this offense. There's going to be some dates coming up for the Jets that are going to look really, really good. So uh, hopefully Chris Herndon, for all those people that have kind of went out there and added him, hopefully he is back, uh, you know, maybe next week. Yeah, we're hoping he gets back from the hamstring this week and those next three games for the Jets at Miami, home for the Giants at Washington. Those are three very (laughs) friendly matchups should Chris Herndon be able to get back. And hey, uh, Sam Darnold hasn't looked great uh, over the last couple of weeks, but three pretty good matchups for him as well. Dallas Goddard is basically uh, the new Hunter Henry, right? We were waiting for for Antonio Gates to get out of the way forever so Hunter Henry can take over. Zach Ertz is not uh, going anywhere, but Dallas Goddard, has that same sort of feeling to him. But uh, yeah, both those guys, I think nice short-term plays, uh, both of them being Goddard and Herndon, and maybe Herndon has a little bit more long-term juice when he is able to return from the hamstring injury. Other streamers uh, to just keep an eye on this week, if you do need someone for Austin Hooper or Gerald Everett, if you've been leaning on him recently, Jack Doyle, Colts at the Steelers, Noah Fant, Broncos hosting the Browns, and Irv Smith, Vikings at Kansas City. We move on now, Funston, to our quarterbacks to stream in week nine. Uh, We know that it's not uh, 
doable in every league. Uh, it seems like a lot of people in one QB leagues own two quarterbacks, but we've got a lot of guys, a lot of names potentially at 40% owned or less. So who's someone who you stream? Oh, I guess I should mention Cam Newton uh, would probably be our top play if he is able to go, but we already talked about him quite a bit as someone he should be adding not only for week nine, but beyond other than Newton Funston, who's someone who you like this week. Well, a guy that people, if they've watched him the last two weeks, would would are probably a little gun shy on him. And Sam Darnold. I mean, he's just. I think he's had seven interceptions in his last two games. He's looked terrible. Uh, let's you know. Let's let's also say that he's played some pretty tough defenses. That was the New England Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He gets the Miami Dolphins, and so you look at those seven interceptions. You say, okay you know, what can Miami do to him? Well, Miami has one interception on the season and they have 16 touchdown passes allowed. They're the second most friendly defense in the league to the quarterback position. Uh, you know, Sam, they don't sack the quarterback a lot. So Sam Darnold conceivably can get some time to throw and it's facing a not very opportune defense at all. I think uh, we can see the best of Sam Darnold this week in Miami. And I would also throw out on the other side, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who put up 280 yards, um, you know, the week before, and, and, I, and I'm talking right now while he hasn't played against Pittsburgh. Um, but Ryan Fitzpatrick going against those that Jets, jet secondary, their outside corners are susceptible. There could be some opportunities for him to to work Devonte Parker and Preston Williams some more. So I think if you're really, really having to go deep, Fitzpatrick's not a terrible play. But my first choice definitely would be Sam Darnold. Could be a sneaky, fun fantasy game between the Jets and the Dolphins next week. I'm going to go Derek Carr as my top streamer for Week 9. Carr and the Raiders host the Lions in Week 9. Uh, the Lions have been a good team overall, but not necessarily a great pass defense. We saw Daniel Jones, after a couple of hiccups early, really carve them up, have himself a big fantasy day in that uh, fun, exciting Week 8 game between the Giants and the Lions. I think Derek Carr can do the same, especially now that he's got Tyrell Williams back and healthy. Williams has looked good the last two weeks. So uh, we've seen um, Tyrell, uh, or we've seen Derek Carr, excuse me, uh, do well with his full deck uh, available to him. Obviously, Darren Waller, one of the most reliable tight end guys week in and week out. So those are some of our favorite streamers in week nine. Obviously, Cam, if he's sitting out there, Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Derek Carr. How about the defenses, Funston? Some, uh, uh, what's a unit that you're looking at uh, to grab over the next couple of days? First of all, you got to go out and, and look and see. I know we're not allowed to really belabor uh, entities and fantasy that are over 50% ownership, but the Seattle Seahawks defense is at 53%. Uh, and they got a win in Atlanta, which they will not be feeling good. And they, I think they're going to have to – they've had two kind of – stinkers in a row even though they beat atlanta they, they were bad at home against baltimore a couple weeks ago and then uh they were really bad in the second half against atlanta this past week i think they go home and you get Jameis winston so they're 53 percent owned in yahoo leagues you got to check and see if they're out there because Jameis winston has been incredibly giving uh he's well you know he's well ahead of, on the christmas spirit uh, oh right yeah now. so he's been very generous uh i would say that of the sub 50 percent ownership teams I would like the Philadelphia Eagles at home against Chicago. I mean, the one thing about Chicago is the offense just isn't that good. I mean, they haven't been incredibly giving in the, in the Jameis Winston level. Trubisky, though, has uh, been sacked six times. Uh, there's been three fumbles and an interception in the last two games. You look at the last three weeks, they've been about 23% more generous as an offense to uh, opposing fantasy defenses than the league average. So, 
I like Philly at home. I think they can get after Trubisky and, you know, maybe make his life kind of miserable. I don't think Chicago's going to put up a ton of points in Philly, and maybe you get a couple uh, turnovers along the way as well. Yeah, we've talked about uh, the defenses who have been unable to take advantage of offenses, certain weaknesses, you know, defenses with a bad pass rush uh, who aren't able to exploit a weak offensive line. And that being uh, a reason to believe in a team's offense, I think we get the reverse here. We know Philly's secondary has been a big weak point all year long, but I'm not sure Mitch Trubisky and this passing game is equipped to take advantage of it. And we also know that Philly can get after the quarterback. So uh, Bears, uh, not one of the better passers pass blocking units in the league. So definitely could accentuate Philadelphia's strengths while minimizing its weaknesses going up against this Bears team, considering how it's constructed. I'm going to go to, I'm going to stick with the NFC East, but go to the Cowboys. They visit the Giants. Uh, again, this is a, a pretty competent uh, and a Giants offense. Uh, I would say more often than not with Daniel Jones at the helm and with um, that uh, fully stocked deck uh, now that he's got Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, all available. Maybe he gets Sterling Shepard back from the concussion this week. But still, uh, again, again, we, we hammer this point home every single week. When you're streaming a defense, you're not necessarily looking for one that can totally shut down the opposing offense. You're looking for opportunities to get after the quarterback to create a few turnovers. And I think that Dallas can do that against the Giants, especially if Dak Prescott and company are able to take advantage of a weak Giants defense put Daniel Jones in predictable passing situations. Then I think you see them get a couple of sacks, maybe a takeaway or two. And at the stream, that certainly is enough. So that's someone uh, that's a defense, not someone, but a unit that I will be considering in week nine. Also could like the Broncos uh, hosting the Cleveland Browns uh, in week nine, that game in Denver. It could be a nice spot for the Broncos defense to get rolling from a fantasy perspective uh, with a, with a potentially compromised Baker Mayfield, Cleveland team coming in to Denver. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Wire to Wire. Thank you again for listening. Funston, thanks, man. Thanks for bringing the knowledge as you do every single week. Yeah, right back at you, man. And we got we got a couple decent games on national television to watch this week, so that'll be good. And, uh, yeah, always a pleasure. We'll do it again next Monday, huh? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that Thursday nighter between Arizona and San Francisco. I think that's going to kick off what should be a very fun Week 9. We hope you're right there with us, excited for Week 9. Get those waiver claims in over the next couple of days. For Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening to Wire to Wire.